This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4ZZZ out of Brisbane, Australia. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim Stewart. I am a lecturer in human services and a social worker. And I'm here today to talk a little bit about what sociologists are saying about what society will be like in Australia and around the world after COVID-19 goes away. In June 2020, the Ipsos uh, Research Corporation did a survey of uh, adults between 16 and 64 in 28 countries to find out what their main global concerns were at the moment during the COVID coronavirus um, period. And uh, the overwhelming concern, you won't be surprised to hear, of, of all the people they surveyed, was that 61% of people around the world are concerned about coronavirus above everything else. Their second most big concern was at 35% was unemployment, followed by health care at 28%, poverty and social inequality at 27%, and financial and political corruption at 22%. So that's interesting that corruption is still pretty high up there, despite the fact that we're facing a global pandemic. Ipsos. Was that an international study? It was, yeah. 28 countries were involved. Right. So, yeah, different countries have... Well, every every country has an unemployment problem. Yes, especially now that coronavirus is an issue. It's um, a lot worse. I mean, it's bad for Australia. We've got... I think they're speculating that the 7.1% unemployment in Australia is actually much higher than that because a lot of people go from employment into... Um, unemployment without applying for Centrelink, so those people aren't counted. There's a great number of people who aren't counted, so the unemployment rate could easily be double what it is today, what we're being told it is. And um, that's got to do with the fact that it's all counted through people applying for Centrelink and being registered as being unemployed. So sociologists have been speculating as to what might happen after uh, in a post-COVID-19 society. And... Uh, they, they look first at what's happened in past pandemics, how that might have changed society. So in an article recently published on The Conversation by Griffin and Denham, they talk about how the pandemic will change our society and they talk about uh, what happened after the Black Death in the 14th century, the influenza pandemic of 1918 and in the 30s, the Great Depression and also what happened after World War One and World War Two the HIV pandemic of the 80s and SARS. So they looked at all of those pandemics and mm-hmm. um, global issues and how and looked at how society changed afterwards. And some of the things they found during this, what, what were basically social upheavals because people were sick, they were unemployed, they were suffering and there wasn't maybe enough social support for their health needs, for instance. People began to question the status quo. They began to question the way that society was structured and who was in charge, because who was in charge was clearly not doing a good enough job protecting them. And so governments who failed to protect people lost their credibility. And during that, the times of pandemics, uh, the Black Death in particular, there was intense scientific collaboration. Science began to be seen as a, as a cause, or a, sorry, as a solution to um, people's problems rather than religion. Religious bodies weren't helping people out any during the Black Death. Um, there was a rise of public health and welfare globally. The idea that um, there was a role in society to look after people's health and it wasn't just an individual matter became a big deal and more people were talking about it and wanting uh, their governments or their 
monarchs or whoever was in charge of their countries to be looking after the people as well as taxing them. Uh, and during that time, there was also increased freedom for workers because people um, who were sick couldn't work, obviously. Uh, people who owned capital needed workers and workers got a lot more um, benefits during the periods when they could actually work because they weren't sick. So um, we're seeing a similar thing in Australia, don't you think, Nathan? Well, if you're a tradie, um, well, th during the COVID-19, we had um, so-called essential services. I guess uh, tradies um, and their suppliers have been doing well or kept busy. And in, in recent um, uh, discussions in the media from academics, they've been talking about how we've come to reevaluate re the uh, rate of pay that we give people who are actually keeping us alive and keeping us going. And that was, uh, for instance, people who deliver our food, healthcare workers, and predominantly women who are doing this, doing this caring work. So we're uh, starting to value those people more and hopefully that will have some kind of flow on effect after the pandemic. But one of the, um, probably the most exciting parts about pandemics, I mean, it's pretty horrible, people die and all that, but afterwards there's often a political and social and economic renaissance. So we can only hope that something wonderful like that will happen in Australia, that there'll be uh, quite a change in society that will lead to that. Yeah, I guess um, I, if you, I, I guess the dominant narrative through commercial media is, is is about um, business confidence or, or getting back to <laughs> business as usual. And I, I guess mo because that's a something that we've all grown up with in our lifetimes, that we consider that normal uh, a normal thing to be concerned about. But yeah, surely the number of people being unemployed at the same time and having lots of time on their hands is going to translate into other possible <laughs> imagined futures. Yeah, I think that, um, for instance, when you watch a disaster movie and the world's going to hell and everybody's like freaking out and, and they're all like backstabbing each other, that's not actually what we're experiencing in Australia or in many countries at the moment, that people are actually coming together and helping each other during a crisis. And perhaps because of they've got a bit more free time to, to actually help each other instead of work all the time, they're kind of realising that um, that life doesn't have to be like that. That this whole idea that economics and making money and work um, is only a, a relatively new way of structuring society. It's only come about since industrialisation. But now we're realising that that's not necessarily the best way to live. There's a lot of meaning to be had in living in your community and and helping each other and being connected to each other rather than living in our little silos, going to work, coming home again and not really talking to our neighbours or anything like that. We're in a time now where we need to support each other and we're pretty much doing a pretty good job of that in Australia, I think. Well, um, but there are problems with... I believe there are problems with men being unemployed stuck at home in maybe with kids at home and anyway I've heard about increases in the level of domestic violence. Yeah that's true that's so one of the um, 
I guess one of the structuring uh, fundamentals of Australian society is patriarchy <laughs> and is um, men dominating women in a lot of ways. And we do have a domestic violence problem in Australia and that's um, proven itself to become much worse in conditions, in the hothouse conditions of people all being stuck together in houses. But not only people who are actually living together where there's been, I think GPs are reporting um, something like 60% rise in the rate of domestic violence reports from patients. So that's how we're finding out, uh, not necessarily from the police, but from people dealing with people who have been physically hurt. But not only that, but also um, other kinds of crimes against women, such as um, uh, the pornography issue where people are... Revenge porn. Revenge porn has become a really big issue. I was reading some research recently where um, during the Easter period, which of course was a lockdown period when we were all locked up, there were uh, there was an escalation of 600% of people complaining to the police about revenge porn against them, 600%. So people with time on their hands were, were spending it stalking or otherwise of offending their ex-partners. And that, that rate has stayed fairly high. It's not, not as high as 600%, but it's still like 200% of what of the rate of complaints that there were previous. So maybe these, these people who are perpetuating this revenge porn are also the sort of people who might be otherwise like stalking or otherwise harassing their ex-partners probably women as well as men. So there, there are some bad sides too because we have a society that is based on certain kinds of relations of, of power that um, may not go away right away. But it's not all bad. So um, there are these people who call themselves future, futurists, I guess, who are talking about how the world will change. And um, I might just, I've got a list here of some of the things that one of them has said about what he thinks... Society will look like post-COVID-19. So his name is um, Gerd Leonard. You mm-hmm. may have heard of him. He's a, um, so a futurologist, mm-hmm. a sociologist, basically. So some of the things that Gerd N- Leonard talks about in a recent article he's written, you can find that on the internet if you want to read the whole thing. He says that the economic recession will, of course, worsen into t- 2021. We all expect that to happen, that... Um, that COVID-19 is not going to go away right away. They're going to have to keep shutting down society like, like is happening in Victoria at the moment. And a lot of businesses will go bust. There will be a lot, a lot of people who, aren't, who are unemployed and will continue to need to be supported by the state in order to survive. Sustainable capitalism will actually rise up. Gerd Leonard thinks that, that um, many people who are questioning capitalism as an organising principle of our society will want to see... Um, changes to the way that's happened and so sustainable capitalism will replace business as usual and that's not just sustainable capitalism in terms of the environment but also in terms of of the rights of the people who work in in capitalist enterprises who are workers and not owners. Um, Gerd Leonard thinks that CO2 emissions will decline and we've already seen that in some of the maps coming out of um, I think China at first which is of course a hub of of, Mm. uh, manufacturing was uh, shut down for a few months and you could visibly see the the lack of pollution as mm. a result, and that is obviously going to happen all over the world where manufacturing has been shut down. So uh, the other side of that is with sustainable capitalism comes the end of oil. The end of oil has already been happening, and these things were already happening before COVID-19. People are still concerned about climate change despite the fact that they're stuck in their homes. And um, I've seen recent reports saying that Australia will have the hottest 
summer ever in the summer coming up. Uh, it's hard to believe right now in the middle of winter, but that is definitely coming up. Um, Gerd Leonard also reflects some of the things that we heard from those other people talking about what happened in past pandemics, that there'll be more scientific collaboration than ever before, especially in gene technology related to the pandemic. So scientists are already collaborating, trying to find a, a vaccination or a cure for the, for the COVID-19. Um, he also thinks that national economies will become more self-sufficient and globalisation will become less important. And we're seeing that already. I mean, we've got closed borders. Um, Chinese manufacturing has really fallen away. And Australia is, well, for a long time, up till, up till now, Australia has been outsourcing our manufacturing to other places. It may well be the case that in order to employ people in Australia, we're going to have to revive some manufacturing and start doing things here again. Uh, Gerd Leonard also thinks that um, one of the social effects of, of the COVID, post-COVID-19 society is that people will become even more lonely and isolated than they were before. We're already seeing that now because people who, who aren't necessarily living in a household with a lot of people are spending a lot of time on their own, especially the elderly, disadvantaged and sick, people with disabilities and people who, who are uh, widows or widowers living on their own. Um, so there's going to be a real need for mental health assistance and for people in communities to reach out to those people who are living on their own, which a lot of communities have already started doing. Um, and countries that have subscribed to extreme capitalism, like the US, for instance, are going to experience chaos. And we're already seeing that. We're already seeing chaos being experienced in the US with uh, the government saying one thing and the people experiencing something quite different. The government saying the pandemic is over. And each day they have record new cases of, of COVID-19. So the pandemic is clearly not over. And um, the, those countries will suffer because they've not invested in their public health infrastructure. And certainly that's probably one of the reasons why Australia has done a lot better is that we do have free public health. In America, it's a chaos and people who are poor and sick don't go to the doctors because they can't afford to. So that's just going to make the problem worse. The, and the populism of conservative politicians will no longer work. Yay, I hear you say. <laughs> really, when you're, when you're playing to the, common de the lowest common denominator, that's ne not necessarily going to work for everybody. And it certainly isn't working now when people see that the pandemic is real, it's causing problems for everybody's lives, it's causing the economic crisis. You can't keep blaming migrants, honestly. Mm. So uh, we'll be all very happy to see that the end of extreme capitalism and conservative politicians. And f finally, Gerd Leonard thinks that the world will become a more equal and more caring place. And I say here, here to that. I would love to see that. So if you want to read some more about what Gerd Leonard has, I, uh, has to say about the future of the post-COVID-19 society, I suggest you uh, just Google him. His first name is spelled G-E-R-D, Leonard. And... Um, some hopeful things there to look forward to, even though a lot of us are suffering and unemployed and having a bad time. On the whole, uh, pandemics come good in the end. Yeah, it seems like uh, everything that the Extinction Rebellion people were trying to get us to do by 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 locking themselves, <laughs> sticky, uh, gluing themselves to the road in the middle of intersections is well it's it's um th if not um a handbrake certainly the economy has has slowed down um and we should see in terms of things like carbon emissions we should see uh 
um, a, a, remar a remarkable impact, uh, effect of re reduced industrial activity at the end of a year period or two-year period? Um. Yes, but um, as you hear uh, in the media, politicians in the media talking about us just snapping back to the same economy we had before, well, uh, a lot of things are going to make that not possible, aren't they? Uh, closed borders for a start, lack of manufacturing in Australia, <laughs> um, people having time to think about the impacts of climate change, I think. A lot of people have got time on their hands now. They can, they can spend it looking up conspiracy theories or they can spend it researching the real problems that are happening in the world, and I encourage you to do that instead because climate change is not going away. And uh, people now have a chance to think about how we can make renewable energy happen in Australia in a way that um, supports more employment as well. Yeah, the, the closing of borders does seem to be a key, a key, um, key part of, key part of, successful part of stopping, strategy of stopping COVID-19 or managing it. Um, but say 20, 30 years ago, everyone was talking about globalization and the global economy and, and I think, like I've certainly seen globalization of the economy in, in my lifetime and we, you know whether it's technology or finance or you know labor moving around the world and here we have a situation where yes suddenly globalization is a problem is is a problem well it's not a problem in all uh, realms it's obviously a solution in some realms it's certainly a solution when it comes to the scientific know-how that's going to create a vaccine and and cure um, COVID-19 it's also a solution in terms of the ability of dig digital technology to allow us to some of us to work from home and uh, still stay connected to people who are in isolation, such as uh, you know relatives interstate or in Victoria. Mm. You can still talk to them. You can still FaceTime them. You just can't visit them at the moment. So globalisation isn't all bad. We're still um, being able to source uh, the medical supplies that we need for COVID-19 from overseas. Where that it's not. I mean, obviously, it's still a great risk to the people who are. Um, working on docks and ships and, and moving stuff around the world. They're still at risk of, of moving the disease, but it's a lot less than it was. So there are good sides to, glo to globalisation in, in terms of intellectual cooperation and being able to help each other in a crisis. So I don't see it as all bad. No, it's, it's not all bad. It's just... It's just the, uh, a virus highlights the weak links in the... Um, global chain well us humans being the weak link and our health well yeah thanks for being on Only Human Kim and I'll see you in coming weeks Nathan you are listening to the Only Human podcast Only Human is a weekly program on social justice disability rights psychology social research and mental wellness you can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing 
or making a donation at 4zzzfm.org.au.